Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Have you ever known someone who was an eternal optimist? They were, they were optimistic, always positive, never seemed to be down about anything. How'd that make you feel? Sometimes it could aggravate you, right? And there's just, you know, you really just feel like you just need a little pity party, feel down about something, complain about something. And here you are with this person who never seems to be down, who never seems to be discouraged. How many of you? Have ever been discouraged? Can I see a show of hands? I won't look. And I think we can all say that we know what uh, the meaning of discouragement is. Actually, the word discourage comes from a root word based on the root word courage, and the dis, the prefix, means without. So literally, we could say uh, to be discouraged is to be without courage. It means to lose your desire or motivation to press toward. It means to lose confidence or enthusiasm. It means to be disheartened. You know, I think particularly this time of year, we see a movie, the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And it opens with a conversation between God and St. Peter and Clarence, an angel second class. And Clarence is about to get the big chance as a guardian angel to earn his wings. And upon hearing his mission that he was to, to go help George Bailey, who was in desperate need of his services, Clarence asked one urgent question. He asked, what's wrong with him? Is he sick? God replies, no, worse. He's discouraged. He's discouraged. God replies, it's worse. He's discouraged. Discouragement can sneak up on you. Unannounced, unexpected. I found that over the course of some 40, 50 years in teaching the word and pastoring churches, that oftentimes in going to the word and studying in different areas and praying, seeking the Lord, the Holy Spirit's leading in, in what to teach and to uh, what to share or to impart that many times when I'm on a particular, uh, when I'm focusing on a particular thing, a particular subject, that um, during the week or two prior to preaching that, I get hammered in that area. If I'm going to be preaching on certain areas in life, then I find out that the enemy seems to come against me during that time of preparation and studying. Well, now why should I be surprised or shocked? That definitely if I'm looking at the word and finding the answer, the solution, and I'm learning to deal with some of these tactics of the enemy, then the enemy is going to try to zero in. Circumstances are going to try to come against me during that week to take me in that direction. So can I tell you, I had some prime opportunities to be discouraged this past week. So we know kind of what that means. There are certain signs or symptoms of discouragement when you get discouraged. One of them is isolation. People withdraw and isolate themselves. When they get discouraged, they just pull away. 
Some people escape it through alcohol and drugs and various other means because they're just so discouraged. They're disheartened. Another symptom is anger and resentment. Blaming somebody else or blaming your situation is just dragging you down. Then there's a symptom of pity, a pity party, feeling sorry for yourself. One man said, just when I think I can make ends meet, somebody moves the ends. And sometimes life seems that way. Another prime, uh, a prime symptom or sign of being discouraged is negativism. You become negative about everything. You become, I can't, I don't, they won't, Eeyore. And it's just everything, everything is just a sense of, of negative, complaining. And then the symptom of when people begin to get discouraged is they get easily distracted. They're darting from one thing to another. They're discouraged. They don't know where to find the real focus in their life. It can be a, discouragement can be a warning light suggesting to us that we've lost our primary focus. And then finally, I think uh, a symptom of discouragement is depression. When we look at the word depression, we see that as, as being much more serious. Because if you linger in discouragement, it can be costly and it can lead you into bondage and to depression, to a sense of hopelessness that saps you of your energy and your vision. Someone said this way, that when people are discouraged, discouragement is when you have ingratitude for the blessing of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding the strength for tomorrow. It's unawareness of the present beauty around you, unconcerned for the needs of others, and unbelief in God's promises when you're locked in discouragement. Discouragement drains our energy. It stifles us, stifles our motivation, clouds our vision, leads to inaction and anxiety. They're Bible examples of discouragement. You know that the people in the Bible are real people. They're real people. And you can see a lot of the human characteristics and weaknesses in these people, even great Men and women of God had some flaws. How many of you can be encouraged by seeing that? Yes. They had some flaws, things they had to deal with. Now, Elijah is a prime example of one who became discouraged. Uh, more than once. But one of the prime times that we see when Elijah was discouraged was when he had just defeated the prophets of Baal. He was on a spiritual high. Then he gets word that Queen Jezebel's after him to kill him and he runs away to a place and hides and says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just, it's just, it's all, it's all, all hope is lost. I might as well die. You know, oftentimes it's the way it happens. If you're on some type of spiritual high or everything's just really great and you feel like you're spiritually progressing, it's at that point after you've experienced that real time of worship and praise and isn't God good that bang, right after that, you're given opportunities to be discouraged, something to come against you. Jonah was angry and wanted to run away and was discouraged. Just decided to sit down under a tree. Job was discouraged. All the attacks physically against him and his family and friends neglecting him or opposing him, accusing him. Jeremiah the prophet in the Old Testament wrestled with loneliness and defeat and insecurity. Uh, 
Here's kind of what he says. He, does, he says more than this, but in Jeremiah chapter 20, he says, I should have died at birth. My mother's body should have been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. I say that man was depressed. David, King David was often Discouraged, and you can read throughout the Psalms examples of where he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And he's struggling with, with doubts and people opposed to him. The rich young ruler who came to Jesus who wanted to know how he could inter- inherit eternal life, Jesus told him, You put everything else aside, seek me first, follow me. And he was rather discouraged by that because he had great wealth and he turned around and left. He thought he was going to be a follower and disciple, but instead he went the way of discouragement. But the truth is, you and I have a choice to make. We can choose to crumble and give in to it, self-pity, be discouraged, why me? Or we can turn to the Lord and take steps to overcome discouragement in our lives. Discouragement has been called one of Satan's hand grenades in the spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. Look at that with me. New Living Translation puts it a little bit different maybe than what we're used to. A final word, the Apostle Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Put the whole armor of God on so that you may be, look at this, so that you may be able to stand firm against the strategies or tactics of the enemy. You can go to chapter 6. We won't take time to do that today, but you can go to chapter 6 of Ephesians that describes the army of God, putting on the whole army of God. And you, we must learn to do that. We should, we should get in a, in a place, a habit in our lives where we do that every day. We prepare ourselves because the devil's coming against you. Now, we shouldn't, that should not drive us to fear in any way, but we should be aware, well aware, that we have an enemy, our adversary, the devil. We've talked about that over the last few weeks. But now, greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. So let me remind you and that our focus here on talking about the, de- the devil's or Satan's tactics is not to glorify him or give him more power than he actually has. Our focus is to say these are things and tactics, strategies that the devil uses against us throughout the week, often every day, and there are ways to overcome. There are ways to be victorious over them. Our focus is on what Jesus has done and how we reign over these things, how we defeat these things, how we stand against them. Our focus is not on what they do to us. See that? Absolutely. So, Jeremiah was discouraged. David was discouraged. Rick Chung Ruler was discouraged. But we have a choice to make. We can just give in to it or we can turn to the Lord and take steps to overcome that. Now, he says, be able to, we should put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand firm against the strategies or tactics of the devil. Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen, of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There's a war going on. It's a warfare. We call it spiritual warfare between darkness and light, between the enemy 
and God and God's plan, his ways. Ah, but we can turn to the Lord and his word. Psalm 27, verse 14, the Bible says, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Don't quit, stay with God. The Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 14, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Don't quit, stay with God. Joshua chapter one, verse nine, the Bible says, this is, this is my command. This is to Joshua. God says, be strong and courageous. That means with courage, not discouraged. Do not be afraid or discouraged or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you can just keep that in mind, if you can just live with an awareness that whatever you're facing, hey, he's with you. He's great enough. He's big enough. His power's available. He's given you a way to overcome this. Slash good place for amen. Hashtag amen. Now, what are the causes of discouragement? What are some of the causes of discouragement? Well, of course, as we've said before, Satan, our enemy, is the number one chief discourager. If he can bring something against you, cause you to lose heart and focus, become negative, you have to understand, if God tells us to be strong and courageous, you can count on it that the accuser will try to discourage you. Secondly, one of the things that can cause discouragement is uncertainty. When you're uncertain about the future, you're intimidated, you're not sure about the things that you may face tomorrow or the next day, and you begin thinking about the future, and you just become discouraged over it, especially when you think about the possibilities that are out there in the future. When I, when I think about that aspect of it, I think about the nation Israel. The Jews had been taken captive into Babylon. We call it the Babylon captivity. They had been taken captive. They were enslaved by a horrible enemy. And the Bible talks about the fact that, this is the way it describes it, that they put their harps or musical instruments, they hung it up in the tree. They put them aside. They hung them up in the willow tree. Well, their enemy, the Babylonians, said, oh, come on, sing us a song right now. Play us a song right And they said, uh, you know, let me read it, read it to you here. They said, we hung our harps upon the willow tree because despair and that they'd been held captive and they longed for Jerusalem. But the enemy mocked them and said, sing us one more song. And they said, we can't because we're uncertain about our future and we're fearful about what's going on and we're living in a state of captivity right now. No, we've put our praise aside. We've set our praise aside. Now, as the old folks, older folks would say, that will preach. But we're not going there this morning. But when you're facing things, the tendency is at times to set your praise aside when we need to take it down. And use it in worship praise. Thirdly, unexpected problems can discourage us, like financial setbacks and health problems. Relationship problems can discourage you in marriage or with your children or people you work with. And, uh, you know, there's people you're around that they can be discouraging to you if you let them. Fatigue, when you're just tired spiritually and physically. 
When you get to that place, it can cause discouragement. Your defenses are lower. And oftentimes, discouragement, discouragement really comes against you when you've made some progress and you've leveled off and you're halfway through. One example of that is in Nehemiah as they were building the wall around Jerusalem uh, to protect the city. It was, they were called to do this by the Lord. Nehemiah was leading them in doing this, all the organization. We'll talk more about Nehemiah down the road. But, but it's interesting that one of the real attacks the enemy came tried to discourage them at the, right at the time when the verse says they had completed the wall up to half of it. And sometimes you can get so far in your spiritual walk and things going on in your life, and it seems like you just level off and you began to look at the things that are out there that are against you, and you began to look at the difficulties and the challenges, and you see that other things that still need to be cleaned up and changed around here, and, and you just get to that place to where you just feel stuck. You become discouraged over it. I don't feel like I'm getting any further. I don't feel like I've gotten any further in the last six months or a year. Frustration. Things are not changing as fast as you thought they would. Failure is a cause of discouragement, isn't it? I don't, personally, I don't know anyone who likes to fail. Now, there may be some weird people out there who do, but I don't know anyone who really enjoys failing. But all of us could probably think of some examples in our own life where we have failed. We missed it. We messed up. Our plans fail. A deal falls through. No one shows up. And we get discouraged. I remember over the years in ministry that there have been some prime times when I, uh, I mean, you can get discouraged about a lot of things in ministry. And I'm not the only one in this building that's in ministry. Everybody that's in ministry this building, wave at me right this morning. Everybody in ministry, wave at me. Every hand ought to be waving this morning if you're a believer. We're all in ministry. But I can remember certain things that we would plan for and announce and be excited about and, and bring people in that were wonderful people, uh, powerful ministers or powerful uh, concerts, singing groups, people that would just be such a blessing to people and who were bringing in thousands of people around the world and we'd invite them into church and we'd have 100 people show up. I've had one or two such circumstances here over the last years. And, and I, you know, I had to overcome this point of saying, why don't people care? Don't they understand what is available to us right now? Don't they realize how great this is? Why in the world would anybody want to miss it if they can possibly be here? How is it that someone who goes all around the world and travels and has thousands of people trying to crowd in and pay for, pay for it to buy tickets in those events and they come to this place and 100 people or less show up. Now let me tell you, that was a little hurdle for me to get over a time or two in my experience in ministry. It not only happened here. I had some questions. I was like, the Lord would have loved for me to just dwell, to just dwell on that. And begin feeling hard at people and disappointed in people. And why don't people care more? We've all been in that place where we felt let down, discouraged by someone. You can't stay there. I don't know the reason why these things happen at certain times. Maybe we didn't 
communicate well enough as just a how, how, what a great opportunity this was. Maybe the church wasn't where it needed to be spiritually because the more the church hungers for the Lord spiritually and hungers for God and the presence of God and opportunity to worship, the less you have to be concerned about whether they'll show up or not. They just will. In other words, we all just will, right? Amen? Amen, we all will. Lord, I'm not going to pass those opportunities anymore. When you give me an opportunity to praise you and worship you and come together with my church family and exalt you and, in, and invite other people around to be a part of this, Lord, I'm going to do it because this is good. This is great. This is for your glory. Why in the world will I sit around the house when I can do that? Our mindset changes. So oftentimes you can, you can attack these things physically. You can, and I'm not talking about this and what I shared about church and churches. It's happened different places. I'm not fussing on you or this church. I, this, this is one of the greatest participating churches I know to get involved and do things. But we all know, we all know that when we are dealing with situations where we feel that we've been let down or we're disappointed at something, it's easy for us to become angry and resentful and begin to blame people and, 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 and we're falling in the trap of the enemy if we do that. What we just have to do is turn loose of it. So Lord, I'm just praying. I'm praying for revival in my heart. I'm praying for revival in the hearts of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm praying for awakening of the church in America. I'm praying for the mighty baptism, outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this place. I'm believing for what we call a move of God in this place. I'm looking for us to become more and more enthused and excited about who he is and what he wants to do in our life. I said, I'm looking for us to become more enthusiastic and excited about what he wants to do in our life. It's going to soon be where I don't have to coach. But that's all right. That's all right. These are things that, folks, what we're talking about is a culture. A culture is how you do things. A culture, a culture is how you respond to certain things. And what we're looking at, this is one of the greatest, most loving bodies of, of, uh, uh, bodies of Christ, the church, that I know of anywhere, and I've been around a lot of people, and we hear that testimony all the time. I'm thankful for that. But we don't stop there. We don't just come sit down and say, oh, I really have a great church. I enjoy coming there and sitting down and enjoy worship. It's really great. We don't stay there because you and I are on a mission. We're not here to just come and sit and worship, although that's important and good. We're on a mission because every one of us are born-again believers who can impact the lives of other people around us. You can impact the lives of people you're working with, going to school with, that you're teaching. You can bless, move in your family and, and see your families change and be a testimony to the world. We are on a mission as a church. We, our mission is not to come and sit. Our mission is to serve and to share. Yes, preach it, Brother Dennis, preach it. Sometimes we just need to be stirred up a little bit. It's not unusual. Oftentimes they had to do that in the Bible where people just need to be stirred up. So this morning in the midst of this thing on discouragement, here's what I'm doing. I am stirring, I'm called exhortation. So this is important. Well, that was the Lord. It wasn't chasing a rabbit. So it was good for us to go over that, that uh, failure 
or a sense of failure or feeling let down can cause discouragement. Now, here I'm going to do it, and don't get too alarmed. I'm going to do this relatively quickly, fast. I'm going to break all the rules of homiletics. Okay, Brother Dennis, hum, all right, so, so what? You know, this is another, it's another one of those fancy theological terms like homiletics and hermeneutics and so on and so forth. Homiletics is the art or the craft of preaching or teaching. It is, this is how you, you, you craft a sermon, you put it together this way, and this is how it should be put together. This, this is how you could do it, be more effective. And a lot of times they're saying you need, to, you need to have a great opening where you get the attention of people, introduction. You need to move right into the by the message and you should move toward a climax and pinpoint where you want to go in that message. And then you need to have an opportunity to draw people in to commit to it. Homiletics. And normally you're going to do homiletics, you've got to say you've got to have a main focus point and you've got to have two or three major points to draw people into it for people to get connected with and that way they can take it and go home with them. I am breaking that rule this morning. I'm going to give you 10 cures for discouragement. 10. Everybody look at your phones. Are you what? 10. Hey look, I got the looking, praying about this, looking the word and I was excited that there were 10 cures. I was excited that God has made an abundant provision for us to overcome this tactic, discouragement. Maybe that's because discouragement is really one that hammers a lot of us from time to time, okay? Are you ready? Number one, everybody say number one. <laughs> Ways to avoid discouragement and to resist it. Number one is rest. R-E-S-T, rest. We ought to have a lot of amens and hallelujahs on that. Brother Dennis, I believe I can do that. I believe I can do that. You'd be surprised how many people cannot do that. One of the most difficult things that they seems to be for them to do is to rest. Take a break. I love verses like this, and sometimes we need to probably claim them sometimes at night, maybe when we're a little restless. Proverbs 3.24 says, When you lie down, you will not be afraid or in anxiety. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet you'll sleep soundly peacefully so if you're going to to not let discouragement get a hold of you learn to rest take a break take care of yourself your health exercise sometimes have a change having a change of scenery is a wonderful thing that will help you find something new to do this all can be rest to us, physically and emotionally and even spiritually. Number two, review your gratitude list. And by the way, these are all our words. They help us remember our words. Now, I don't expect you to walk away from here. Maybe, maybe I, my expectations should be greater. I don't expect all, all of us to walk away from here remembering all ten of these. But it is going to be online. You can go back and look at it, and so many of you are taking notes. Number two, review your gratitude list. You know, we overlook, and we're approaching that time this year, we're, we overlook at the power and significance. We overlook the power and significance of gratitude and thankful, don't we? There's power in thanksgiving. 
The Bible says, enter into his courts. Enter into it. His courts with praise, with thanksgiving. It, it is a powerful tool in our lives. Some people call it and said, we just need oftentimes to rethink him. We need to rethink him. Sometimes it's customary for people when they're sitting around a table, especially at Thanksgiving time, we go down around the table and says, everybody share something that you're thankful for. And it can go from kids, you know, I'm thankful for my toys, I'm thankful for my dog, I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful for our house, I'm thankful for my, my mom and daddy, I'm, you know, around that. Those are good, that's, that's okay to be thankful for those things. We will be able to have a more effective prayer life in receiving from the Lord if we will begin our prayer life with thanking the Lord. It's easy just to jump in when you pray to just immediately jump into that place of asking the Lord to do something. Lord, I thank you for this, but Lord, I pray for this. I ask you for this. Will you do this? So on and so forth. When, if we're going to do, uh, if we, let's just put a time on. Let's say we're going to do a 20-minute Prayer time, it would be better. It would be better to have 15 minutes of thanksgiving praise and five minutes of request than it would be the other way around. Because the thanksgiving and praise is the pathway that's going to take you into faith that will allow you to receive from God. Yeah, amen. So sometimes we just need to go back and just be thankful. Thanksgiving and praise can just get you out of the mully grubs. It really can. But you've got to decide to do it. You can't say, well, I'll thank the Lord when I feel like it. No, do it. Do it. Number three, recall past victories. Celebrate victories that you've had in your life. Celebrate other people's victories. Celebrate them. Recall past victories. David did that all the time, but it's just a good practice. Remember, remember the good things that happened. Don't dwell on what you're facing uh, as being a problem or frustration or anything. Let the hell with you back. Look, take a moment, look back, say, oh my, that's not really anything. Look what the Lord's done for me. Look what he's done for me. Don't get discouraged. Look at, recall past victories. Number four, renew your mind. We hit this one over and over time again because the battlefield is the mind. And what you allow uh, in, in, in your thinking, in your thought process is extremely important. Watch your thought life. Your thought life and your words will take you somewhere. And it's our choice as to where it would take us. Renew our mind in the Word of God. Renew your mind. Think the right kinds of things. That'll, that'll help you rise above discouragement. Number five, Reorder your life. Reorder your life. In other words, have some definite goals. Simplify your life. Get rid of some of the junk and set boundaries because there's all kinds of things and there's even people that will try to dominate your life and take all of your time and they'll drain your energy and they'll drag you down with them if you are not very careful about it. Stay on guard. Be cautious about that sort of thing. We need to set boundaries sometimes because if we're bombarded with all these things, some, some people's homes, their families are like that. There's they're just, they're just so many distractions and there, there's, so, there's no boundaries. There's, there's so much clutter in their lives in many different ways. And you always feel behind. You always feel like you're behind. You don't feel like you're making any real progress. And that'll drag you down to a place of, well... I don't know whether we're going to make it or not. I just get so discouraged. 
clutter. I'll share a personal example that, and um, when we were renovating, preparing, and moving into the old farmhouse there, I, I, got, I got to stand against discouragement there. It could get very discouraging looking at where we were, what needed to be done, and how in the world we were going to get it done, and when in the world would we get it done. Things were in a mess. Stuff was everywhere. Junk was everywhere. Things piled up. Dirty. Just, just from years and years and years and from work that had gone on and and all this renovation, all this work, and all this stuff took place in the dead of winter with us living right smack dab, it's a good southern word, right smack dab in the middle of it. And we'd go to bed at night, worn out and tired, surrounded by all of this stuff. We'd wake up in the morning, and first thing you see when you get up in the morning, you look at it, well, it's still here. No one did anything while we were asleep. It's still here. Morning after morning. I thank God for his blessing, his help, for the blessing of people and helping us with it. And we did have so much. So thankful for that. But what you would do is you would just begin. Here's what I would do. I've done it in many situations in, in the shop and in the house. Personally, I, I think we've all had. I would walk into a room with my plans. This is what we're going to do. This is what needs to be done. And I would walk into it. And I, w- I would just walk around and I would look at it and I would think about it. And as I did, it just grew and grew and got worse and worse. And then I'd turn around and walk back out of the room. We have to come to a place where we're able to focus and reorder our lives and simplify our lives and get out of the clutter and the junk. Number six, remember who's on your side, H. W-H-O apostrophe S, who is on your side. Remember who's on your side. The psalmist said in Psalm 124, if it had not been for the Lord on our side, we would not have prevailed. One time when you get discouraged, you just need to be reminded, hey, look, you're, you're a child of God. Do you understand how valuable you are to him? Do you understand what he's done for you? Do you understand how much he loves you? You start thinking on that, dwelling on that, and remember whose you are, it'll make a tremendous difference. It'll lift you out of that. David said in Psalm 42, he said, Why am I discouraged? Or why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember him. Number seven, it's good for you just to stop and rehearse his promises. This is what God has promised me. I know I can stand on that because his promises are yes and amen. Psalm 147 says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, don't be afraid, fear not for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged or dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. Rehearse the promises and encourage yourself. You encourage yourself. Talk to yourself. (laughs) I don't normally suggest that a whole lot. 
But talk to yourself in a positive way. Talk to yourself. David in, in um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, he says, what had happened was, what had happened was David uh, had, had left uh, the city of Ziklag. Wouldn't you, I can imagine going to, I can imagine going to the first church of Ziklag or Ziklag High School and hearing the cheerleaders with that, but it was the city of Ziklag. But David had taken the, his, his troops, his army away to fight the enemy. While he was gone, the enemy had come in and had taken all of, the, all, all of their wives and their children captive and taken them away. And so when they got back and the soldiers saw that, they blamed David. And they said, we've gone away to fight this battle. And while we've gone, look what's happened to our wives and our children. And David was concerned that they might stone him. It was a tough situation. First Samuel verse, chapter 30, verse 6, David said, Furthermore, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all of them were embittered against him for their sons and daughters. But David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. The New King James Version, or the King James Version says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. He could either dwell on what, what it looked like was going to happen to him. He could dwell on the threats that were there. Or he could remember who his God was. And he could remember that he could call upon him and that God would help him out of that. And so he began to stir up things inside of him and talk about that. He talked to himself. He encouraged himself. What's your confession? When you get down, especially when you approach something like discouragement or fear or anything else, watch your words. Your words will take you somewhere. Your words will always take you somewhere. Your confession will always change your direction. Always. So our words are extremely important. So learn to rehearse his promises over and over again and talk to yourself in that. Number eight, rely on others. Now, let me put a little parenthesis around that. Don't just rely on anybody. When I say rely on others, I'm talking about relying upon, relying on people who are encouragers, on believers. That's what he gave us the church for. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, don't neglect or forsake your meeting together or assembling together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially as the day of his coming approaches. He's saying, look, you guys need to stick together. If you're going to be encouraged, you need to be around encouragers. So be a little bit selective about the people you hang out with. And by the way, be an encourager somebody else so they won't hang out with you. Rely on others. Now, some people need tenderness and help and encouragement, but sometimes they just need toughness, a, 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 a tough love, if you will, that says, look, there's no reason for you to be locked in depression and, and discouragement, and you just begin to encourage them and challenge them with that, but sometimes just to arm around them says, we love you, and we know that you're coming out of this, and God's faithful. Rely on others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, encourage or comfort each other, build each other up, just as you are already doing. Number nine, refuse to be negative. Refuse to be negative. 
refuse to be negative. Avoid the naysayers. And, and there's naysayers. Did you know that there's naysayers out there everywhere? They're everywhere. Naysayers who will try to say, oh, you can't do that, and that's impossible, and who do you think you are, and I don't know. And so they throw these things at you. Refuse to be negative. Refuse to, to listen to all that junk and refuse to become a part of that junk. It is the nature of humanity, it seems, to be more prone toward negativism than to, than to being positive. Right? It seems like it's easier to be negative than it is to be positive. It does. So we have to be proactive here and not allow this stuff in our lives, in our language. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes your husband or wife's help. It takes help. You need to stay positive. Don't get so negative. Neg Negativism has never helped anybody that I know of. It's a real weapon of the enemy. Distance yourself from it. Watch your words. And number 10. Everybody say number 10. Number 10. <laughs> Replenish your spirit. Refill the spiritual energy tank of your life. So just, I know this is simple and basic, but this is so key. Is that all these other things are, are very important. and they, it needs to, Our lives need to be characterized by these things if we're going to overcome discouragement in our lives. Not give any place in our lives. When it comes again, and look, everyone always is going to face opportunities. And you may, you may take advantage of that opportunity for just a moment and be in discouragement for just a moment. The point is, do not stay there. Don't linger. Look at these things we talked about this morning and let it help you rise above discouragement. Through the word, through worship, through prayer, you can replenish your spirit. You know, man is, 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 is a trichotomy, if you will. Man is spirit, soul, and body. You live in a body. You have a soul, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, and you have a spirit. The spirit is you, the real you. You are that, that will live eternally. And of course, you'll be given a new body. But the spirit. And in order for us to grow in our spiritual life and walk and become more mature, we have to feed that. We could say a spirit man. We could also say, I guess, a spirit person. But a, a spirit woman. But a spirit man or person, that inner person, that spiritual aspect of you, the Holy Spirit dwells in, that has to be developed. Just like you have, when you work out with weights or you exercise, you become stronger and stronger and stronger physically, there are certain exercises we need to take to build our spirit man up. And so you need to replenish that because the stronger that that is, the stronger that spirit man is in you, the easier it is to overcome the flesh and the things that come against you. Amen. Well, here's where we're getting more than our dollars worth this morning. We, this is, this is, these are, are powerful things. This is powerful. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be ruled by what you see. Let it be ruled by what he says. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be ruled by what you see in your emotions. Be ruled by what he says. And Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in, your, in, in doing well and that you're different experiences of life, your daily routines. For in due season at the right time, you'll reap if you don't faint. Don't give up. 
Discouragement will try to get you to give up. Don't give up. And finally, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. The words given to Joshua. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. He'll never leave or forsake you.